Welcome to the Ephesians 3 podcast. Here you can listen to the student talks given at Ephesians 3, a weekly fellowship where students at Newman Parish in Columbia, Missouri, speak on topics of faith and experience fellowship and life-giving community. Based on the passage of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, the ministry seeks to lead students deeper in the Catholic faith through community, conversation, and prayer. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode. I'm going to lead us in prayer, so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, come to us tonight. Holy Spirit, come to us and fill our hearts. May your presence be with us tonight, and I pray that our hearts may be open, and I pray that you use me as a vessel to show others your greatness, Lord. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, the pursuit of excellence. I think it's safe to say that we've all been dissatisfied with our life at some point. Maybe you are right now. Maybe you're not. If you're anything like me, there's always room for improvement. You are always wanting to be great and pursue excellence. Hi, my name is Austin Stewart. I grew up right here in Columbia, Missouri. Any, any Columbians here? One, let's go. I was not expecting anybody in here to be from Columbia. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, my sister. So <laughs> I grew up in a family of four with my older sister. She's three years ahead of me. Um, I'm currently attending MACC, and I will transfer to Mizzou this coming spring um, to pursue a business degree with an emphasis in marketing. And I would love to do digital media marketing. That would be really fun. So I grew up in the Catholic Church. Um, I went to Olis, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. And growing up, I had a stable home life. Everything was pretty ordinary. Um, God was always something that I believed in, and there were no questions asked. And because of that, I never really knew who he was. I never prayed. I never read the Bible. And I didn't really know what was going on in church. I was more concerned with gluten. And the reason I say that is because if you're following um, the, the age of when you receive Holy Communion, I was in second grade and our second grade teacher told us, hey, the communion has gluten in it. And if you're allergic, you're going to get sick. And so I didn't know if I was allergic or not. And so every time before we would receive the Holy Eucharist, I would almost have a heart attack. Um, it took me many years and a lot of stress, but I finally realized I did not have a gluten allergy, nor do I have one now. So fast forward to high school. My first couple of years of high school were relatively innocent, and it wasn't until my last year of high school that I really got into the party scene and everything that came with it. I loved to party. And it's actually really fascinating to me because I was reading a book and I discovered that St. Francis of Assisi, before becoming a saint, also loved to party. His buddies even gave him the nickname Dominus because he was the king of partying. Like St. Francis, I was a party animal. I would dance on tables, couches, 
you name it. If it was elevated, I was on it. My senior year summed up in four words was work hard, play hard. The weekdays were dedicated to academics in the weight room and the weekends that should have been for rest and rejuvenation were for partying. I was so caught up in this cycle that I didn't have time to acknowledge the sin I was willingly committing. I was all gas and no brakes. So why did I love it so much? Well, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I wasn't trying to get away from anything. I was just living my best life. In reality, I was lonely. I was searching for eternal purpose and temporary pleasures. In a time where I felt like the only thing I had to prove that I was a believer was the cross around my neck, Jesus was always present. I had no idea that he was working in my life. And that kind of reminds me of Romans 5.8. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. And even though I was sinning, Christ was moving in my life. During my senior year, I was so self-centered and self-sufficient that I had no need for God. You see, my senior year was great for me. Um, my first semester, I was able to get involved with everything Rockbridge. That was the high school that I went to. I went to every sporting event possible. I joined clubs. I did everything. And it only got better with second semester because that was the start of my final year at baseball. And long story short, I ended up doing better than I ever thought I would. I had achieved beyond excellence, but I realize now that it wasn't out of my own strength. The reason I say that is because earlier in the year, there had been a bad UTV accident with five freshmen. Um, thankfully, none of them were killed, but one of them would never be able to walk again. I remember going to the prayer vigil um, for him and one other one of the other kids, and I remember seeing my head coach in tears. So just picture this hard-headed, nose-to-the-grindstone dude bawling his eyes out. I was brought to tears after witnessing God working through a community in a time of tragedy. I was open to this idea of surrender and prayer, and I was introduced to something bigger than myself. So my eyes opened a little bit. My mindset for that season was to do whatever it took with whatever I had in me. Every time I stepped on that field, I always thought of that kid who would never be able to play a high school baseball game, and that changed my energy. I also decided to lead my team in prayer before every game, and it was the same prayer every single time. It didn't matter if it was rain or shine. It could have been 30 degrees, and I was saying, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful weather. It was my way of controlling what I can control and leaving the rest to God. And as a matter of fact, it became such an important pregame routine that if we didn't pray, some of the guys thought we would lose. So at this point, I've experienced that feeling of surrender and prayer, but it was temporary and I didn't act on it. I didn't take that next step. So once baseball ended, I didn't have time or I didn't have anything to fall back on except for partying. And I did just that. So for that summer and that whole first semester, I lived the college life that I was dying to live. I would go out and party on Saturday night and try and wake up on Sunday morning for my nine to five. Praise God, I don't work on Sundays anymore. 
But it was miserable and it showed up in my work. I started to be I started to become okay with just being okay. I was lazy and unmotivated and I was just there to make money. And I work at Hy-Vee and that at that place where the number one priority is helping the customer, I could care less. I was comfortable. I went day to day living my life with no purpose but to survive. But hey, I was living my best life, right? Truth be told, I was living my worst life. Like the parable of the lost sheep, God came looking for me. I didn't want to be found, but God kept running after me. So eventually, I stopped running away from God and started going to a ministry here in town. And at that time, it was a Protestant ministry. And at this point, I'm conflicted. I was one foot in, one foot out, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. And I remember I told my small group, you know, it's not where I want to be, but I've come to terms with it, and I think I'll stay in this lukewarm state until the end of college. Well, God had other plans. So I started this year off, um, this 2023 year off with passion. If you don't know, that is the equivalent to seek. He showed me what it was like to be on his team. The feeling that you get when you're surrounded with 20,000 other kids, all for the name of Jesus, is unreal. He worked through a magnificent soul to get my attention, and her name was Catherine Wolf. She was bound to a wheelchair, yet she easily had the most enthusiasm and energy for God than anyone else in that whole building. She captivated me with her words when she said that we all have our own wheelchairs, and we are all bound to something that limits us. For me, it was my heart posture. I couldn't surrender my life to Christ. I couldn't give it up. And that left me truly convicted. It wasn't until she told us about a camp that she had where all wheelchair-bound kids could come and be loved and experience pure joy and happiness. And she struggled to tell us that some of those kids would later go on and die that year. And that got me thinking. That got me thinking about death. And the fact that we don't know when we're going to die. Those kids seem to have a good destination lined up. But I asked myself, is that where I'm going to go? That changed my life. The fear of hell and spending eternity apart from God shook my inner being. So I finally surrendered my life to Christ. And in that exact moment, it felt like all my burdens and all this weight was lifted off my shoulders and I was embraced with this immense love of the Father. The Lord was patient with me. He was faithful. He was good. But most of all, he was graciously ready to forgive me for turning my back on him for so long. And as Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In that single moment of surrender, I was compelled to give up everything that didn't align with Christ. I approached Christ and said, not mine, but your will be done. In my heart, I made radical changes to my life before I even started the journey. I gave up my college life for Christ's name. So when I got back, my roommates said they were happy for me, but one of them was not very happy. 
He was quite bummed because he felt like he lost a friend. After four years, the one thing that united us was stripped away. We became strangers. And after that, I started to notice who my true friends were. I started to tell the difference between shallow ponds and oceans. It was crazy to see the difference between a relationship that revolved around Christ and one that didn't. Nothing is sustainable without Christ. As Philippians 3, verse 7 through 8 says, Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So after several months, Jesus taught me to love. He taught me to stop worrying about how others live their lives and worry more about how I conduct myself around those people. He taught me how to be a light in other people's lives. He taught me to strive for holiness and excellence and that he would be right there to catch me when I fall. You know, it's so cool to know that the spirit that dwelled within Christ dwells within us. So I picked up a daily habit of prayer and I have fallen in love with scripture. I took off my worldly lens and I put on a godly lens and I started seeing the pain and suffering all around. Through the renewing work of Christ, I began, I began to wake up each day and deny myself. I started treating every day as a mission to be the hands and feet of Jesus for someone else because I had already received more than enough and I wanted others to receive that same thing. So let me ask you this. What if we denied ourselves every single day? What if we started putting on Christ every single day, regardless of how we feel? Because let me tell you this. I wake up some days and I don't want to roll out of bed. I don't want to pray. I don't want to live for Christ. I don't want to do what he requires of us, what he calls us to do. Let me go deeper. What if we started loving others as if they were Christ? How would you treat, how would you love them then? Your friends, your family, the strangers that you encounter on a day-to-day -day basis, how would you love them? So my mission field became my work because I saw souls out there and I still see souls out there that have no life in them. And with a new heart, I started to enjoy working because it became an opportunity for me to serve and be a witness to those people and bring life to them, not by my power, but through Christ. And so the Spirit is constantly urging me to, urging me to be that light for people. The more I prayed and read God's word, the more I wanted to use that strength in, that Christ gave me to take action and start loving people. My perspective on life changed tremendously, and Christ has transformed me so much that when I look back, I see a complete stranger. Since diving into my faith, so many avenues of service opened up, and I was more than willing to jump on those opportunities. I ended up going on a mission trip. Never thought I would do that. I went to a couple camps during the summer, and I started serving in my community that I was at, um, the Protestant one that I was at. And for a while, everything was good. Everything, you know, I was in a good place, but for some reason, 
part of me felt like there was more. I felt like I was living a mediocre Christian life. I felt like I wasn't moving in my faith. I was once again dissatisfied. So I listened to that dissatisfaction and a little under two months ago, I wound up here and I was correct. There is so much more to the faith than I ever thought there was. Ever since reverting to the Catholic Church, I have been called higher not only by the people, but by God and being able to receive the sacraments and getting the opportunity to spend hours in adoration with our Lord present. My relationship with Christ has become so intimate and I finally feel like I'm living my faith out authentically. I'm still getting in the groove of things and I'm still in the process of learning Latin, but I genuinely can't wait to see what lies ahead because I know it will be nothing short of excellence. I would be lying though if I said absolute perfection was attainable here on this earth. We have to keep in mind that we're all human and whether you're Protestant or Catholic or a belief in God of some sorts, we are all called to deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily. You see, excellence is not a one-time thing, and if you strive for it daily, you are going to fail. Luckily, God gives us a lot of opportunities to be excellent, continually deny ourselves, and pick up our cross. So I want to leave you with this little bit of encouragement from a book that I read, and it says this. It's time to pay attention to the story you are writing with your life. It's time to live a life that intrigues people, one that challenges people to rethink their own lives. It's time to live a life that fascinates people, a life that moves people. Life is always presenting a steady stream of opportunities to collaborate with God and create holy moments. This is what the saints did. They collaborated with God and unleashed goodness, generosity, thoughtfulness, and compassion wherever they went. They truly lived out the gospel. And we can do that too. The human spirit may be asleep, but it is not dead. Let's awaken the greatness of the human spirit, starting with you and me. Wake up spiritually and start to live life on a whole new level. Thank you, guys.